Hey guys, we're here at Eden Park, and I'm excited because I'm going to talk to random people and see how they're dealing with COVID. One thing in journalism school what they teach you is how to attack people from behind and then they'll answer honestly. Hi, excuse me, sir. Hi, how are you? Can I sit down? Um, hey, I have a question. How is COVID treating you? Oh, it has not been good. I just feel so out of whack with my job. Oh, it's just, it doesn't feel the same. Oh, okay, so you must be working from home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm still going in the office. It's just I used to get up every morning and go for a run before it got cold. And now I don't do that. I'm up late on my phone drinking. Ugh, it's all because of COVID. Oh, man. Yeah, um, COVID does the nine-step program, too. Declare this a global health emergency. You may know me. I'm your constant companion. I'm your greatest helper. I'm your heaviest burden. I'll push you onward or I'll drag you down to failure. I am at your command. Half the tasks you do might as well be turned over to me because I'm able to do them quickly. And I'm able to do them the same way every time, if that's what you want. <clears throat> I'm easily managed. All you got to do is be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want it done, <clears throat> and after a few lessons, I'll do it automatically. I am the servant of all great men and women, and of course, servant of the failures as well. I've made all the great individuals who have ever been great, greater still. And I've made all the failures too. I work with the precision of a marvelous computer with the intelligence of a human being. You may run me for profit, you may run me to ruin, it makes no difference to me. Take me, be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Be firm with me, and I'll put the world at your feet. Who am I? I am habit. Habit. Habits pretty much, if you're honest, make or break you in your life. So my question to pose as we finish off this Because COVID series is, what has COVID revealed to you about the hurts and the hang-ups, but particularly the habits of your life. Good habits and bad ones. I've been talking to myself. Have y'all been doing that a little bit in the last few months? I don't like some of the conversation that I'm having with myself. But I believe that many of us blame our current bad habits. We justify it because of COVID. Things like bad eating, oh, we can rationalize that, it's COVID. Skipping online church is COVID. Complaining, anybody doing any griping or complaining? Yeah. On the dark, deep side, some of us are watching porn at an unprecedented level. A lot of us have the bad habit of constantly posting on social media. That's bringing us down and bringing others down, by the way. A lot of us are binge-watching, not just food, but binge-watching Netflix. Some of us have acquired the bad habit of gossiping. Now, I know nobody in this room and nobody watching online is gossiping. No. They had that problem, though, in Paul's day. He wrote this letter to Timothy. It's a chapter that he addresses some issues they were having in the church that Timothy was leading, and they had some problems with some older women. They called them widows. 
This is not just a female older woman issue, though. They had some widows who were busybodies. Check this out. Besides, he says, they get into the habit of being idle. I've, I've been thinking about this in COVID. There are many of us who have now been in the habit of being idle. You don't have to be a widow to be idle. We're like rationalizing it's COVID. I, we just don't have the, the, the energy, the, the zip that we used to have. We've become idle. It's a habit. And these widows were going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busy bodies. They're busy, but they're busy bodies who talk nonsense, saying things that they ought not to. Saying things they ought not to. Anybody been saying things they ought not to? I'm sure Paul was really popular when he wrote that to the church here in Timothy. You widows, get out of the habit of being idle. See, your bad habits, whatever they are, I can tell you mine, you can tell me yours, your bad habits not only hurt others, they're hurting you. In fact, I looked up the word habit in the Bible. It's fascinating in my concordance. The very first time a habit, the word habit, is mentioned is over in the Exodus chapter 21 in the context of a bull. <laughs> okay? Notice what it says. If a bull, and this evidently was a problem, a, uh, they had a bull goring problem. If a bull gores a man or woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death, and its meat must not be eaten. But the owner of the bull will not be responsible. However, if however, the bull has had the habit, there's our word, the habit of goring. You know, there's, bulls are not the only one that have the habits of goring people. People can do that too. If, however, the bull has had the habit of goring and the owner has been warned but has not kept it pinned up and it kills a man or woman, the bull is to be stoned and its owner, check this out, also is to be put to death. Aren't you glad we don't live in the Old Testament system? Praise God. However, if payment is demanded, the owner may redeem his life by the payment of whatever is demanded. I'm sure that owner but that, that person who was, uh, had owned the, the, the bull would be glad to offer something, and the person responsible would be glad to pay it. See, some habits, some bad habits, we're known for. Some bad habits in your life have likely developed because of COVID. But on the contrary, there's probably also some good habits that have emerged that have developed because of COVID. Some of us have spent more time with our family than ever before. That may not always be good, but I'm claiming it is a good habit. We've actually had connection with them. We've actually, some of us, because of COVID, have developed this wonderful good habit of connecting with God in new and very creative and powerful and energizing ways. Some of us have actually, for the first time, instead of just waving at our neighbor, have actually gotten to know our neighbor. Some of us have realized, let me tell you, if there's one lesson I've learned that I will take to my grave from COVID is the realization that I need human connection. I will never take hugs, handshakes, pats on the back, close conversations for granted again. I, I have developed this new appreciation, and I think a new habit of really valuing people and God with skin on. The word habit is a fascinating word in the Bible. It's used in a very obscure passage. I want to show it to you over in Numbers chapter 22. This is one of my favorite stories of all time because it involves a prophet and a donkey. There was a prophet named Balaam 
who was kind of like a prophet for hire. You pay him enough money, he'd go. That's always a problem when you're a preacher, right? He's chasing the gold and not God. Oh, that's another sermon. But there was this king of Moab, a guy named Balak, who said, listen, these Israelites are driving me crazy. I'm going to hire one of the prophets of God to pronounce a curse on the Israelites. So notice he's going to hire Balaam for money. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. God didn't want him to go and pronounce a curse. That was, in fact, just the opposite God wanted. He wanted to pronounce a blessing on it. He wants to pronounce a blessing on you, by the way, not a curse. But God's not happy he's going, especially for money. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Now stop right there. When an angel of the Lord stands in your way, you ought to pay attention. In the Bible, when an angel of the Lord stood, he's not there to, 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 to help you. He's there to keep you from doing something. The angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam misses that. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were there with him. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, this is not... <laughs> He's there not to reward, but to punish. When the donkey saw him with a sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. The donkey sees more than the human. Then the angel Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Poor donkey. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead. This donkey's trying to help him, but he doesn't know it. He moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw that the angel of the Lord it couldn't go left or right anymore, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it with his staff. Now here is where the story gets amazing. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make me beat me these three times? <laughs> this is not the last time God has used a jackass to speak. I'm just saying right now. <laughs> he pretty much does it every week when those of us on this stage talk. But the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Now, if that's not amazing, let me tell you what's even more amazing and fascinating. The next verse, Balaam answered the donkey. Now, look. <laughs> Y'all, it's one thing for a donkey to speak. When the human, it's like it's not unusual, nothing wrong. He kind of converses with the donkey. Balaam answered the donkey. You made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And the, the donkey said to Balaam, now notice what he said. Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the what? Have I been in the habit? There's our word of doing this to you. No, he said. The donkey is smarter than a human. But notice the phrase, have I been in the habit? Of, so I'll pose that phrase, same phrase to you. What have you been in the habit of doing right now in COVID-19? I have been a student of human nature, of people all of my life. And I have been making observations about human beings how they succeed for decades now. And I have noticed that a person that is successful in life and a person especially now in COVID that is thriving, they have simply formed habits of doing things that unsuccessful people will not do. Let me repeat that. Successful people 
have habits of things they do that unsuccessful people will not do. And everybody wants success. Everybody wants things to go up to the right. But here's what I've learned. People want upside success, but they got downside habits. Don't miss this. Some of y'all praying for God to bless you. You want something better. You want to thrive. You just don't want to survive in COVID in life. It's great to pray that prayer, but let me look at your habits. Let me look at what you're thinking. Let me look at what you're doing. And I can tell you whether you're going to succeed. So I wanted today give you a couple of very practical and biblical insights into habits that will help you thrive in COVID and when you get out of COVID. And you'll notice that most of the time, in order to fix a bad habit, you have to replace it with a good habit. But let me give you, after studying humans now for decades as a pastor, I'm your pastor, I've studied you. Oh, I know you study me. I'm a student of my congregation. Let me give you some attributes, some habits that help people thrive. These are the ones that people develop. They develop certain habits. Number one, people that thrive have developed the habit of doing good before they feel good. Doing good before they feel good. Now, those of you who are parents, you understand this, how this works. When you're a parent and you tell your kid to do something, what's one, and they don't want to do it, what's one of the first things they say? I don't what? I don't feel like doing it. That's what kids say. I don't feel like doing it, mom and dad. When I tried that on my parents, they would say something like this. Do you feel like getting a whooping? Would that feel better for you? Okay, then we're going to do it. Adults do this same thing all the time. You know what you ought to do, but you say to yourself, I'm just going to wait till I feel like it. You know when you will get it done if you wait till you feel like it most of the time? Never. Mature, successful people that thrive, they do first. They act first before they feel anything. Because here's what I know, and they've done science and study on this. You're more likely to act yourself into feeling than to feel yourself into acting. Oh, this is rich. Go and do what you know to do, and the feeling will come. Don't wait for the feeling. Unsuccessful people, they just wait till I feel like doing it, and they never succeed. Successful people, they grasp it. They don't just have a ready aim fire. They have a ready fire aim. I'm going to work. In fact, Walt Disney said it well. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Just go and do it. That's a habit that you have to acquire in and out of COVID. When I first started as a young pastor, I would go to elders meetings. And if you've ever been in church leadership, you don't always look forward to elder board meetings, elder deacon meetings. I'm telling you right now, we are so blessed. You have no idea how good our elders are here. I look forward to our elders. It's just wonderful. But early in my life, I was kind of in a dysfunctional church. And we sat in an elders meeting. I was sitting there as a young uh, youth minister at that time, listening. And month after month after month, these elders were debating the same topic. We needed to, we're growing. We needed to build an addition in the church. And every month they talk about it. Every month they talk about it. Every month they talk about it. I was looking around like, you know, are we just going to talk this thing to death? And finally, one older elder in the back of the room, I'll never forget this guy. He said, we've been talking about this for months and months and months. He said, I say we do something even if it's wrong, he said. Oh, I love that guy. Give me that guy. See, he knew intuitively that you can always recover from a mistake. You seldom recover from indecisiveness or lethargy. Do something. This is why the Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. Not these many things I think about. This one thing I do. 
That's the first habit. Do good, and you'll trust me now, the feeling will come. Number two, habit. People that thrive have developed the habit of identifying the triggers in their life, their triggers, that make them act out in unhealthy ways. Figure out what triggers tempt you or prompt you in a way that is unhealthy and learn to eliminate or re-slow down when you see those triggers. I've shared it before with some of you. For me, it's the acrostic HALT, H-A-L-T. And I know in my life, because I know me, I'm a student of me, when I am hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, and when I'm tired, I got to halt because I'm getting ready to make a bad decision and do something stupid. Halt. That, that's just me. And I can tell you in these last six months, I've been hungry. I've been angry. I've been lonely. I've been tired. Is that any of y'all? When you see these attributes emerge in your life, stop. It, it's a trigger for me. For some of you, your trigger may be a person or a friend who you think you're a friend. But every time you hang around that friend, you get in trouble. You do something stupid. You act silly. You make bad decisions. For you, one of the greatest habits of your life is just get a new set of friends. Get somebody that's helping you, not hurting you. For others of you, it may be a place that you go. It's your trigger. Every time you go there, (laughs) bad stuff goes down. See, once you identify your triggers, then you need to avoid those people and those places. As my dad would often say, if you don't plan on going in the house, stay off the front porch. Why tempt yourself? The habit of knowing self, identifying triggers, those of you watching online, is going to be really important. Let me give you another one. People that thrive, oh, this is rich. People that thrive have developed the habit of constantly learning and growing and trying new things. Growing, learning, and trying new things. Now, I know this is the west side of Cincinnati. We can be very slow to adapt to change. We want to wait and see. We want to, we want to study it. I call it the paralysis of analysis. Let's just have a committee about it. But if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. If you're not happy with what God's doing in your life now, just keep on, you know, keep on trying the same thing if you're happy with it. But if you're not happy, why don't you try something new? Every major invention, every major change that has come in human civilization, including the church, has because they were willing to pivot in a crisis and try something new. Do you realize, I was doing a study the other day and this popped up, do you realize that, that left and right shoes are only about 150 years old? They've only been around that time. For all of civilization, you just had two shoes look the same. That's where the phrase two left feet comes from. You can't walk in a, I don't know where it happened, but somebody's looking at their shoes and saying, you know what, wouldn't these shoes fit better and work better if we had a left one and a right one? Somebody had to think about that. That was a habit. Sliced bread has only been around 90 years. You thought it was around forever. Like you thought the manna from heaven in the Old Testament was sliced. No. Post-it notes only been around 40 years. They were trying something new. John Wooden, famous basketball coach, said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. COVID has allowed, it has encouraged, it has forced whole industries to pivot and reinvent themselves. Churches too. Friend, we're going to be trying new stuff. We are 
trying new stuff. We haven't changed our vision. We haven't changed our mission. But you can be sure of this. Our methods have changed. In 2020, if coming to Christ means that we have to attend church in a set location at a set hour, we got to have a new strategy. we got to invent new stuff. This has forced us to look at ourselves and say, are we still effective or not? And not be afraid to pivot to what that is. Don't be afraid. You know what the greatest threat to this church's future success is? Our past success. Because we did pretty good here. But that won't get us. What we, where we're going, what we have done won't get us to where we're going the same way. Not change your mission. Not change your vision. But friend, this is the time we have to pivot if we're going to survive the next generation. I mean, think about this. Because right after Jesus was crucified, Peter and his disciples were quarantined literally up in a room. They were hanging out. They were actually hiding out in a secluded location because God, Jesus said, just hang here till the Holy Spirit comes. And Peter did what a lot of us do. When, we're, when we don't know what to do and we haven't got a firm word from God, you know what we do? We go back to what is familiar to us. We go back to where we were. So Peter said to him and his, himself and his buddies, and Peter was a man of action. I love that. He said, let's go fishing. That was their career before they fished for men. They fished for fish. He said, let's, so he wanted to go back to fishing again. Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about this. Some of you are going back in your life, not forward. And when, you're, when you face fear, you go back. That's why the Israelites, before they got to the promised land, they want to go back to Egypt. Quit going back to the place that cursed you. Go to the place that's going to bless you. It's going to take some faith to overcome your fear. So Peter says, let's go fishing. And this is a, he's a professional vocation. That was his job. His vocation was fishing. It says they fished all night and they caught nothing. Zero. Skunked, which is pretty bad for a vocation. They fish that waters forever. And all of a sudden, the guy on the seashore, the Bible says, hollered out, fish on the other side of the boat. And don't you know, Peter, like, what? What? I'm a fisherman. I fish these waters for years. I know this. Who are you? What's that guy on the, over there on the shore telling us how to fish? What he didn't realize is that was Jesus standing there, the risen Lord. Fish on the other side of the boat. And it says in the Bible, when they let down their nets on the other side of the boat, although on one side they caught nothing, but they let down their nets to catch fish, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets were overflowing. Listen to me. Coming out of quarantine, what I think Jesus is telling me and telling our church is we got to fish for men on a different side of the boat. Amen. We got to fish for men in a different way. Oh, the mission, the vision is not going to change, friend. But that is true for us. What is true collectively means it's also true individually for you. Now is the perfect time. Listen to me. Now is the perfect time for you to change something in your life. Now is the perfect time for you to relearn, recalibrate, redirect. Don't waste this season when other people are changing it. Your future may depend on a new path and a new dream. Develop the habit of embracing the new. You can look back, friend, and you can learn from the past, but you cannot live in the past. And I'm not happy about it all the time. I mean, I've been pastoring for decades now with a certain model of ministry that has been pretty effective. But we got to change that if we want to be effective and relevant for a new generation. 
Let me give you another habit that highly successful people that thrive have. They develop the habit of connecting with others for encouragement, support, and accountability. Seldom do people succeed in isolation. Highly successful people that thrive in COVID and out realize, you know what? I got to have others in my life or I'm not going to make it. I'm better. We is better than me. You got to have a team. In fact, if you can accomplish your dreams in your life by yourself, it's a mighty small dream. We need each other. This is what led the Hebrew writer to put it this way. And boy, this has been happening. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Man, that's a good word. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's a good word. Not giving up meeting together, not doing life with others, as some are in the what? There's our word, the habit of doing. You mean, David, some are in the habit now of not meeting with others in the name of Jesus? But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, the second coming of Jesus coming and approaching. Now, let me just give a little insider church info. For those of you who are watching online, for those of you who are here first time, awesome. You can tune in, listen in right now. But I want to talk to some inside church people. You know what I'm saying. According to the latest findings of a recent Barna Group State of the Church study, check this out, 32% of practicing Christians have stopped attending church during COVID altogether. They just dropped slam out. They've got the habit now of forsaking the assembly. Another 14% reported that they'd already switched churches. We got some who've already done that. Another 18% are essentially church shopping by watching more than one service each week, and they're not affiliated with anything. Do you hear what this study means, if true? It means that only 35% are still actively engaging online in a church or in person than when they were attending since March. Only 35% are still actively of the 100. See, what COVID has provided, what COVID has revealed is an opportunity to not just attend a church, but be the church in a micro way right now like never before. For a variety of reasons, assembling together, and I'm so thankful we were able to assemble today. It's wonderful. I love it. We have thousands more watching online than are, we're capable of our restrictions of, of housing, of assembling. What the wonderful thing about the Bible is it tells you what, but it doesn't tell you how. And so for a variety of reasons, assembling together now doesn't have to be in this sacred place, in this sacred space. If your spiritual growth is only determined on a building or a service, friend, you're not who you think you are in Jesus Christ. It's not a building. It's a body. It's not a gathering. It's a scattering. Right now, and maybe for the foreseeable future, Fishing for men means it has to be done at your house or a coffee house or your neighbor's house. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. In fact, our next series, starting next weekend, Won't You Be My Neighbor? This is what we're going to be drilling down on. Let me give you another one. I've already kind of referenced it, so I'll just go there. People that thrive have developed the habit of thinking positively. Thinking positively. Can I just be real with you? Honest, confession time, in the past six months, I have seen some of the best attitudes, 
But I have seen some of the worst attitudes. And that inc- I, I'm mainly talking about me. <laughs> I've seen some of the best attitudes in me and some of the worst attitudes in me. And can I just say this? Because I know you. I've seen some of the best attitudes on the planet in the last six months. And I have seen some of the worst stinking, thinking attitudes of people in our church that I thought I knew. I thought to myself, who has been this person's pastor for all these years that they're saying that stuff, that they're thinking that stuff, they're negative Nellies, they're criticizing. Listen, here's what I found out. Problems, tough times, pandemics, they don't cause a person to be a certain way. They reveal who that person was. So some of y'all are happy. Could you start telling your face about it? Some of y'all are happy, could you start telling your Facebook about it? Because what we see is a miserable person. And your attitude, friend, is your best friend or your worst enemy. Do you actually think that we got to where we are as a church family by being negative, by not having trust and faith in God? Do you actually think that of all the success that God has blessed us with, we got here by accident? It took a lot of work. It took a lot of action. It took a lot of risk. It took a lot of positive thinking. Friend, you don't know where we started here. There's been days in this church where we didn't know we're going to make it. You're a byproduct. You've built on a foundation, a legacy of optimistic, positive, trusting God people who gathered together and believed God for the impossible, and he delivered. That's why it says in the New Testament, do not conform to the thinking of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Friend, if ever there's a day not to conform to the thinking of this world, it's today. I'm I'm sick of the media. I'm sick of it. And I'm talking about all media now, so let me just go there. I'm not talking about CNN. I'm talking about Fox. I've turned them all off. Let me tell you why. Their motive is fear. Their motive is to create. They have an agenda that's not our agenda. I'm going to get in this more in the series after neighbor election. If I haven't made everybody, I'm going to make everybody mad after after the series is over. What are you letting the world shape your thinking for? You're citizens of another country. The hope of the world is not the White House. It never has been. It's your house. It's God's house. So start monitoring your self-talk so others don't. Check yourself or you're going to wreck yourself. Oh, that wasn't even in my notes. That's so good. How is your attitude, honestly? Quit blaming your problems on somebody else. Someone said, if you could kick the person most responsible for your problems, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. Quit being a victim. You're only a victim if you want to be. You're in charge of your attitude, not me, not your spouse, not the government, not medicine. You're in charge of your attitude. Because here's what I know. My attitude will change when I want it to change. So quit moaning and groaning. I hate it. I've done some Greek. There's stuff I'm just so over-the-top upset about. But I've decided that that doesn't do anybody good. Doesn't do me good. It's not going to do you good. What's that got to do with what God is doing today? Friend, the church has never been more alive than ever before. Do you actually think that God has forsaken the church? If ever there was a time to be, do you actually think God said, oh, I didn't know that COVID thing was coming? (laughs) 
He gave that to us as a gift. Yes, it's tough. Yes, our friends and family and finances, all the stuff we've been talking about have been wrecked by that. It's a golden opportunity if we change our attitude and we can pivot to reach people in ways we never could have before. And this leads us to the last one. People that thrive have developed the habit of trusting God fully. I guess this is the greatest habit I need to improve in my life. The biggest one. When something happens to you, you need to ask yourself, do I trust God or not? It doesn't mean that something's going to be good. In fact, it may be bad. But God uses it for good. I claim this, this is the verse that keeps me in the ministry. God works all things together for good to them that love the Lord. Do you trust God about that or not? Do you trust that he's in control or not? I don't trust in anybody anymore that has human skin on the way I trust God. That's the only way I've been able to survive and maintain my sanity. And it's the only thing really that matters. Do I trust God or not? Now, if you don't have a relationship with him, man, we probably ought to have a conversation about that. If you don't have faith and you confess Jesus Lord, you get baptized, that's how that relationship starts. But you've got to figure out how to trust God. Kirk Knockle is a friend and a former elder here who's also a doctor at the forefront of the COVID crisis at a hospital. We recently caught some of his thoughts on video. I want you to check it out and see if you don't get the thread of what I just said in his words. Check out Kirk. My name's Kurt Knockle, and I've been a physician in the emergency department here at Good Sam for 30 years now. Uh, I've been a member at Whitewater from the Westwood Cheviot days uh, back in the late 90s. So when I first read about COVID and it, it, it was just identified as a new virus from in China that they thought was transmitted from animals to humans, I really didn't, didn't worry about it because we had SARS in 2003, we had MERS in 2013. Those were both coronaviruses. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later when I spoke with a, a colleague of mine that specializes in infectious disease that I realized this could be a serious pandemic because of how easily COVID is transmitted. One of the most challenging parts of dealing with COVID as a physician is just dealing with human behavior. There's been a lot of misinformation, some of it not intentional. As we learn more about the disease, then the, the guidelines will change and the recommendations from government agencies will change. And we have to realize that's not deception. It's just that as we know more, more can be recommended. But along the way, there were several instances where there was some intentional misinformation. Physicians and scientists would say, we found the cure, or, or we know this, and there was no evidence to support it. And so that erodes trust. Then when the message really does have evidence, people don't know what to believe. I, I've been taking care of patients with COVID for several months here in the emergency department. And then one day I was having breakfast with a couple of guys that most of you know and I, I started coughing. I thought maybe I choked on some water. 
but the coughing continued. I went on to do some chores with my wife, uh, started getting hot and sweaty, and then I was tired, so I took a nap and I woke up with a fever. Uh, and then I, I got tested that evening. And so when it came back positive the next day, it wasn't a big surprise. You know, we've all struggled with the, the social distancing and the, the need to stay at home for long periods of time and then just gradually ease back into to how we've interacted socially. And so I think experiencing that, that isolation, even for somebody introverted like me, there, there's a limit to how much isolation a person can enjoy. Yeah, I can honestly say I, I've trusted God through the whole process. Early when we really didn't know that much about the disease, Amy was pretty upset when I would leave for work. Um, I told her, you know, I'm gonna do the things that I know to do to keep myself safe. And if I get sick, I'm gonna trust God will protect me. And, uh, or at least I'm gonna trust that God's plan for me will come to fruition. And if that's getting healthy, great. If not, then I can deal with that too. I love Kurt's attitude as spirit. Kurt will tell you to trust God, but also wear your mask. I think the bottom line for me is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'll leave you with this. If ever there was a habit to acquire, it's this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Jesus says what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food? The body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Friend, God is teaching us in this passage that the, bird, the animal kingdom knows better than us. Whether it was a donkey or whether it's a bird in the air. Have you, like, spent any time out on your deck and open up your window in COVID season and hear the birds not singing still? They're still chirping. They're still singing. Have you opened up your window one morning and there's a bird sitting out on your limb and he's depressed? Chirp, chirp. <laughs> chirp, chirp. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? Men, the donkeys and the birds know more than us about trusting God. He's going to take care of you. He's got this in your life. Learn from them. Learn to develop this habit of trusting God. One of the habits that I have learned, actually, which I have not been a fan of, but I do, it's the habit of wearing this mask. And our society in general, thank you for your compliance even here. Our society in general, no matter what you believe about them, has kind of said, I'm going to get in the habit of doing that. And I didn't like it. I started groaning and moaning. And so I have a little experiment for you. I've tried it with mine. I've decided that the mask is not my source of trust. It's God. But to remind me of that, I just took a magic marker and I wrote in this mask, not only hope on the outside, but trust. I wrote trust on the inside. Even 
I am trusting God even for the air I breathe, that he's going to give me good air. He's going to give me good habits. He's going to give me life. I want to breathe in the Spirit. I want to exhale negativity. I want to breathe in more of Him, optimism. I want to exhale pessimism. I'm asking you to trust God and develop this habit in your life. You may know me. I'm your constant companion. I'm your greatest helper. I'm your heaviest burden. I'll push you onward. I'll drag you down to failure. I am at your command. Who am I? I am habit. Go this week and form some new habits that will help you thrive and not survive, trusting God. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the scripture so timely from Old Testament to new. You taught us, God, to trust in you. Even the animals have taught us that. So I pray that our church family would trust for our future strategies as we try to fish on a different side of the boat to help people find hope in Jesus and a home in Him. I pray, God, for our staff, our leaders, and as we act out now in ways that are congruent with what you're teaching us, help us to trust fully and freely in you. And as we develop these habits of masks and social distancing and Uh, thinking correctly, God, help us to trust in you for the result. Thank you for a willing, listening audience here and online today. Thank you for the encouragement that I have received from so many. May that continue as we continue because of COVID. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.